I wanted to preach a revival sermon to you tonight because this is a revival. And actually, my wife and I are really good at revivals. We travel around the world and we do revival services. We're, we're the people that when you want to do a revival service at your church, the first names that come to mind in a lot of the circles that we flow in are our names. And so I know what it, I know what it feels like to prepare a revival sermon. I know what it feels like to preach a revival sermon. And, uh, but the Lord wasn't giving me one. And I was really wrestling because, and so I started going back through all my old notes and my old revival sermons to see if the Lord was going to resurrect some dry bones or, or, or something. And I, I, there was no wind, uh, there was no fire, there was no rain, there was no oil, there was, there was no stirring of the Spirit on anything. But there was this little verse of Scripture that I've been meditating on for the last several weeks, wondering, Lord, what is this for? When am I going to give this? When am I going to teach this? And it doesn't seem to fit into anything. And, and the Lord activated that little verse to me today and said, preach this tonight. And it felt completely inappropriate for a revival service. Matter of fact, this is not a sermon. It's more of a teaching, more of a Bible study that I have for you tonight. But I think I understand what the Lord was doing and why. And so I want us to bow our hearts and pray as I give you this one verse of Scripture. And then we're going to pray. And then we're going to dive in. The verse of Scripture is Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, brethren... If any man is overtaken by a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, looking to yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Did I get that right? Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Father, I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that you give us ears to hear, hearts to believe minds to understand, and a will to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that this message tonight is a call, an invitation from the Spirit of God to prepare us as a people, as a body, for what he's getting ready to do. You see, we purposefully did not promote this revival in the streets and in the community here. And the reason we didn't promote this revival in the streets and the community here is because this is time for us, yeah. the church, to come together. Although we do welcome those of you who are here from other churches, uh, this is not an exclusive time just for our church members. We're, we're so thankful to have you here, but this message will apply to you too in your home church context, that God is speaking to the church yeah. in these meetings. Also because we need to figure out which toilets don't flush and which lights don't work, and we you know, <laughs> give ourselves time to work out the kinks as well. We want God to send people. We don't often stop to realize that when God sends people, those people are broken. We want him to send people, just not broken people. It would be awesome if he would just send people who were just all together, just had it. Already on fire, tongue-talking, filled with the Holy Ghost. Ready to preach the gospel ready to sign up for all the ministries, but that's not how it works because yeah. the physician is not sent to the well, but to the sick. Yeah, yeah. And so the great physician is get, going to be gathering people to us who need a physician. And the question is, is there going to be anybody who's available to put them back together again? Wow. 
Because when God looks at a congregation, if there's nobody ready to be a hospital for the sick, then he doesn't send the sick there. Because no, nobody in their right mind would send sick people to a hospital where they know that they will, they will receive no care. Wow. Yeah. And so what he's looking for is whether or not our hearts respond to his invitation to join him. Hmm. In his most precious ministry. Yeah. He says, brethren... When he says brethren, he's talking to all Christians. Yeah. He's talking to this particular church in Galatia. Yeah. But when he says brethren, Adelphoi, it's a generic term for all the Christians, men and women, boys and girls, red and yellow, black and white, <laughs> at the church in Galatia. Brethren, yeah. all Christians. Yeah. If any man, and the word man there, anthropos, is the generic, it literally means human. If any human yeah. is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, pneumatikoi, pneumatikoi. So there's three categories of people. First of all, there's brethren, all believers. Yeah. And then there's anthropoi, all humans. Yeah. And then there's the spiritual. Huh. So there's two general categories, all Christians and all humans. And then there's one specific category, the spiritual. You who are spiritual. Yeah. He says, brethren, Christians, if any human is overtaken by a trespass, the first thing that we can ascertain, that we can draw from this, is that brethren, Christians, also get overtaken by trespasses. Wow. Yeah. That to be a brethren or a sisterin does not mean that you never get overtaken by a trespass. Which means that if you've been overtaken by a trespass, you shouldn't have to come to church and pretend that you haven't. It should be common knowledge that brethren and sisterin get overtaken by trespasses too. Brethren. If any human, and he uses the term human there to let us know that any human can get overtaken by a trespass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's no such thing as an incorruptible human. Yeah. A human who is beyond trespass. A human for whom it is impossible to be overtaken by a trespass. He says if any human... It could be the pastor, it could be the deacons, it could be the elders, it could be the, the, the worship leader, it could be the drummer. If any human, and you don't get surprised, because they're human, just like everybody else is human, and every human can get caught in a trespass. So he says if any human is overtaken... When you're overtaken by something, it means that you're running, but it's running faster than you. Because, okay. see, there's some brethren in the church, humans, who've been overtaken by something that they're running from, but it keeps running faster than they're running and catching up to them. You and I have both been at places in life in which you feel like you're running from something that you can't run fast enough to get away from, and some days you outrun it, and some days it catches you and overtakes you. Yeah. 
The thing you need to understand is that if you're running from something that's faster than you, you can't restore yourself from that. You need someone who's faster than you and faster than it to restore you. Overtaken by a trespass. It's interesting that he uses the term trespass there. Because what does it mean to trespass? It means to step foot on property that is not your own. There's a sign that says no trespassing. And when you step over that line, you are now trespassing. You are now on private property, property that does not belong to you. You are trespassing. And the problem with trespassing is once you trespass on my property, I can shoot you. I can stab you. I can punch you. I can beat you up. I can break your ribs. I can sick my dog on you. I warned you. It said no trespassing. But once you step foot in my property and you thought it was fun, you and the kids, you and, you know, you and your high school buddies were going to just break into my property, think it's fun, not realizing that I got pits in there with spikes down in the pit. I got stuff in there that's designed to trap you and keep you there. This is the problem with sin. Is you think you're just going on a little fun, you know, we're going to break into old man River's house. (laughs) Right? Not realizing that when you trespass in that territory... You step into the realm in which the enemy has rights. Wow, yeah, yeah. And he does stuff to you that you gave him the right to do. Wow, wow. You thought you were going to step in and stepped out. You stepped in and got overtaken, and now you're stuck there wow. in property territory that is not your own. Wow. Brethren, if anyone is overtaken by a trespass, You. Everybody say you. You. The word you indicates who he's talking to in this verse. Because I always read this verse and thought he was talking to those who were caught in a trespass. And I always anticipated that when I preached Galatians 6.1, I would preach to those caught in a trespass and have an altar at the end of the service for people caught in a trespass, inviting people caught in a trespass to come to the altar and be restored, and all of a sudden it dawned on me that he's not talking to them. You who are spiritual, that's who he's talking to. That's who the verse is addressed to. It's as if he's standing before the Galatian church and saying, I know there's nobody here who's caught in a trespass. So I'm, I'm just talking to you who are spiritual. And I'm preparing you who are spiritual for what's getting ready to happen. Because what's getting ready to happen is God's getting ready to send a bunch of new brothers and a bunch of new sisters to your house. And many of them will have been caught in a trespass, overtaken by a trespass. So I'm going to need you who are spiritual to restore them. Not to send them to the pastor. You who are spiritual are qualified to restore them. Not simply tell them, well, you better get some counseling. No. You who are spiritual, restore them. This verse of Scripture is an invitation 
to the church at Galatia to rise up and lay hold of their place as the spiritual brothers and sisters in the house and recognize that being spiritual means that you have a ministry. The mark of the spiritual, Paul says here, is not speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a byproduct of being filled with the Spirit. It's not prophecy. That's a byproduct. It's not falling on the floor, rolling around, although that's, that's nice. It's not dancing in the Spirit. You can tell when somebody's really spirit-filled because they start shaking like this. Ooh, that's, no, 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 no. That's not the mark of the spirit-filled life. Those are moments, those are experiences, and those are all wonderful. Don't get me wrong, I'm not downplaying those at all. It's wonderful. But the mark of the life of the spiritual is the ministry of restoration. You know how you can tell when someone's really spiritual? People get restored around them. People who get overtaken by trespasses, they get restored. People find themselves saying, you know, I used to walk that way until I started walking with so-and-so. And and after I started walking with so-and-so, she taught me how to walk differently. I learned just by walking with her that I shouldn't walk in the paths of the ungodly anymore. I learned simply by walking with him how to live at a higher level. You know, when someone is overtaken by trespass, what they tend to do is go home by themselves and say, I'm not coming out until I figure out how to do this better. And guess what? They never come out. When if they just had one spiritual person in their life wow. yeah. to say, I'm going to walk you right through this. Yeah. I'm not going to walk away from you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm going to walk you right through this till you come out the other side of this until you look back on it and say, that's my past, not my present, nor my future. I'm walking with you through this thing. Yeah. Sounds like being a community group leader. No, it's not. Because you can be a community group leader and not walk nobody through nothing. You can be a pastor and not walk anybody through anything. You can be an elder and not walk anybody out of anything. But guess what? You can be just a regular brother or regular sister who walks in the spirit and folks start getting free around you. Right and left. Why? It's just the mark of the spiritual. Wow. However, it does require some intentionality. Hmm. First thing we've got to talk about, what does it mean to be spiritual? When he says, you who are spiritual, what does that mean? The word in the Greek, pneumatikoi, means literally of the spirit. You who are of the spirit. Now, of course, a chapter earlier in Galatians chapter 5, he defines that a bit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, therefore I say, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the sinful nature for the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These two are enemies so that you don't do know what, what you want. He says, and those who are of Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then he goes on to a list. The works of the flesh are evident, and he names them. It's fornication, and it's adultery, and it's, it's witchcraft, and it's all of these things, right? Hatred, dissensions, drunkenness, and, and all of these things. And then he says, I got to tell you, whoever practices these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says... The works of the, 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 the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Sorry, he talked about the works of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit. 
The fruit of the Spirit is also evident. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. And then he says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we walk in the Spirit, let's keep in touch with, in, in, in step with the Spirit. Then he gets to chapter 6, verse 1 and says, brethren, if anyone is overtaken by a trespass, you who are spiritual of the Spirit, which means you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, godliness, self-control, you who are of the Spirit, you who are manifesting these fruits of the Spirit, doesn't mean you're a leader in the church. Doesn't mean you have a pastoral position. You're just walking in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, godliness, faithfulness, self-control. And you're not walking in fornication, lewdness, and adultery, sorcery, hatred, dissensions, drunkenness, you know, all of these things. You who are spiritual, if anyone's overtaken by trespass, you guys, you spiritual ones, restore. Now the question is, how do you get spiritual? How do you become spiritual? Paul tells us that very clearly in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. And he says, uh, what's he say? The mind, put it up on the screen for me, Romans 8, 5. Yeah, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit... So here's how you become spiritual. You set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And the spiritual is always the antithesis of the fleshly or the carnal. So I'm going to give you just a, a basic definition of what the flesh is. Because when Paul talks about the flesh, he's not talking about the physical body. When he says you've got your mind set on the flesh, he's not talking about thinking about the food that you have to eat. You know, putting clothes on. That's not what he's talking about. I don't want to walk in the flesh, so I'm not going to think about clothes. That's not what it's all about. The life of the flesh is characterized by living according to your own understanding in order to fulfill your own needs and satisfy your own desires. That's the, that's the mind of the flesh. All you think about it is, is your own understanding, fulfilling your own needs, and satisfying your own desires. If you think about that from morning until night, you're living in the flesh. And what happens in that realm called the flesh is adultery and fornication and lewdness and uncleanness and drunkenness and revelries and, and sorcery and all of these all of those things happen when you're living that all it start it just starts with the mind that's set on me. Yeah, yeah. That's all the mind of the flesh is. Yeah. But what is the mind of the spirit? Put that up. No, keep going. I have a yeah. The Spirit, seeking God's wisdom, waiting for His provision, and being satisfied by His presence. Yeah. So here's the life of the flesh. Living by your own understanding in order to provide for your own needs and satisfy your own desires. And here's the life of the Spirit. Seeking God's wisdom, waiting for His provision, and being satisfied by His presence. Yeah, yeah. See, we think of, big, of these feats of godliness. No, no, no. It's simply seeking God's wisdom. Start the day. God, tell me what pleases you. What would you have of me to do? Yeah. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I, I have my understanding of what today I should do, but I want you to show me. I, I, just, I need you to guide me. I need you to lead me. I submit to your leadership today. Yeah. Now, Lord, you provide for my needs, but in order to provide for me, my needs, I need you to tell me what my needs are because I know what I think I need. 
but you know what I actually need. And what you're going to provide for is my actual needs. Now, Lord, satisfy me in the morning with your unfailing love. Let your presence be that which satisfies me. A life oriented by the Spirit is satisfied by the presence of God. So Paul says, once again, Romans 8, 5, for those who live according to the flesh, that is, according to their own understanding, in order to satisfy their own needs and and their own desires, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to be fleshly minded or carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He says in verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you're going to live. And then Paul says, walk in the Spirit. What's walk in the Spirit? Live a lifestyle of seeking God's guidance. Waiting upon his provision. Lord, I know you're going to provide for my needs. I don't know when, but I know that you are, so I'm willing to wait. And being satisfied with his presence. Lord, the only thing I need to satisfy me is your presence. Now I can walk in the spirit. All right. So the spiritual, those who live by the spirit, those who live according to the spirit, their ministry is restoration. And that word restoration in the Greek, katartizo, it means three things. Number one, it means to mend or to repair. To mend or to repair. Number two, it means to fit or to frame. To fit or to frame. Number three, it means to equip or perfect to equip or perfect. So if you embrace this ministry to which God has called the spiritual, if you embrace your call to be the spiritual, and then embrace the ministry to which God has called the spiritual, then God will use your life and you will be intentional about looking for opportunities to cooperate with the Spirit of God in the lives of individuals to whom he will send you and to whom you will be sent. who he will send to you. You got it. He'll send you to them, them to you. My powers of communication have failed me momentarily. Opportunities to mend or to repair. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are entering the temple to pray. The morning prayer's time, about 10 a.m., hour of power, they called it. Man at the gate, beautiful, lame from his mother's womb. Where is he? The temple's here. The man is here. The place to worship is there, but he's too broken to go in. The lame aren't allowed in the temple. And so what do Peter and John do? They mend him. They repair him. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, stand up. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the man jumps up on his feet, and what does he do? He runs into the temple. What was that healing about? It was about removing the the broken thing that was hindering him from running into the presence of God. 
You see, some folks are overtaken by a trespass because there's something that needs to be mended or repaired in them. There's a hole in their heart that needs to be filled. There's, there's something that's torn that needs to be mended or knit back together again. And that concept of mending is what a fisherman does with his net. A fisherman takes and he searches the net after every night of fishing. And when he finds a hole in the net, he takes the time to mend it and to knit it back together again. The, the, the spiritual know how to mend the hearts of broken people. So that when they see someone caught in a trespass, they don't immediately look at him and go, you sinner. Not talking to you, Siri. <laughs> Siri got convicted. That's what happened right there. <laughs> the spiritual, when they see a person caught in a trespass, they see a person who's hurting. They see a person who's broken. They see a person who's got a hole in their heart. And the first thing that the heart of a spiritual person says is not how do I condemn, but how do I mend? How do I repair? How do I put back together again the thing that is broken, the thing that's fallen apart, the thing that's causing all of the love poured in to spill out of the bottom of this person's heart? The spiritual are always looking to heal and to mend and to repair. Then it means to fit or to frame. And see, what you find is a lot of folks who have been caught in a trespass, they're caught in a trespass because they feel like they don't fit. They feel like an outsider in a place where they should feel like an insider. They feel ostracized from the house of God. They walk in and they feel like, this isn't me. And the second thing that a person who walks in the ministry of restoration understands is how to fit people and how to frame people so that they fit with the people of God. I could think of so many illustrations of this in Scripture, but the one that comes to mind is the woman that Jesus met in Samaria. She didn't fit in that community. She was ostracized by that community. Why? Because she was a sinner. She was ostracized in that community. Why? Because she had a problem. She just, she needed a man. She needed a man and she needed another man and, and she couldn't keep a husband and she kept running from man to man to man and because of that, she had a reputation in that community and because of that reputation, she was ostracized. She didn't fit until Jesus met her at that well and Jesus had one conversation with her that fit her, that reframed her, that gave her a new place in that community because at the end of that conversation, she ran into the city to all the people who had ostracized her and said, come with me. Come meet a man that told me everything I ever did. Is he not the Messiah? And the people followed this woman that they had ignored, this woman that they had ostracized. Suddenly she fit because she had met Jesus. And notice Jesus never even told her to repent. Isn't that funny? He just fit her, reframed her, and by the end of the conversation, she left her water pots behind. That, my friends, is repentance. When you came drinking from one well, but you left that behind because you found another well, one that flows from everlasting life, one that springs up. Come on, somebody. And then it means to equip to strengthen or to perfect. 
This one is the most precious of all. I think of the woman caught in adultery. All of her accusers were there with stones in their hand. One word from Jesus, and they would have stoned her to death and felt righteous doing so. And you know the story. Jesus says, let him who who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one they walk away from the oldest to the least of them until it's just Jesus and the woman. And Jesus looks into her face and says, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Is no one left to accuse you? She says, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. But then listen to what he says. Go and sin no more. I always heard that wrong. I always heard it as a standard that Jesus was holding her to. You better go figure out how to sin no more. You better go use your will and stop it. I didn't realize Jesus was empowering and equipping her that the one who says to her, go and sin no more, is the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. The one who said, go and sin no more, is the one who said, Lazarus, come forth, and he came forth. Listen, if a dead man who was decomposing in a tomb could hear and obey the voice of the one who says, come on out of that tomb then a living woman, are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? That when Jesus says, go and sin no more, he just sets you free. You hear it as a threat. One more time, and I'm going to kill you. That's how you hear it, right? One more time, I'll be the first one to throw the stone because I ain't got no sin. I'm going to keep this stone with me just in case. And I'm going to be watching you so you go and sin no more. But you mess up one more time, I got a stone with your name on it. You saw me writing in the sand, I'm writing on this stone now. I got a rock with your name on it, and it's not a new name. That's how we hear it, don't we? Every time you repent, you hear Jesus say, I'm going to give you one more chance. But one of these times, I'm going to forgive you this time, but one of these times, I'm going to kill you. Here's what he's actually saying. Go and sin no more. And look at me. Guess what? I just gave you the power to do just that. Because, see, we don't understand how powerful the word of the Lord is. Do you realize that when he said, let there be light, light didn't even exist? And it still obeyed? chew on that for a second he spoke to something that didn't even exist and told it to do something and it did it even though it didn't exist the ministry of restoration is first of all about mending repairing secondly it's about fitting it's about finding those who don't fit in and showing them that they got a home taking them under your wing and bringing them in, introducing them to some people. But then thirdly, it's about empowering. 
Now you stop it. Now you stop it. Now you stop it. And I know you feel like you, have the, you don't have the power to do that. But Jesus says, go and sin no more. By your own power, you can't do it. I'm going to teach you how to tap into his power. Because the fact that I don't do it, it doesn't mean that I'm better than you, stronger than you, more spiritual than you, more mighty than you, got a, a stronger will than you. No, no, no. It means I've learned how to tap into his power. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and, pro- and, faith, very great and precious promises yeah. so that by them we might escape the corruption that is in the world through lust yeah, yeah, yeah. and that we might participate in the divine nature. It's his power. It's his glory. It's his goodness. He's able to keep you from falling and present you blameless. All of those words, that's how you empower. That's how you equip. And that's how you perfect someone who's been overtaken in a trespass. But listen to what Paul says. You who are spiritual, restore them gently. 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 Restore them gently. Yeah. You got to treat all people as doves. Mm. You squeeze too hard, you'll kill it. Mm-hmm. But too lightly and it flies away. You got to learn to hold them just right. Which means you got to be continually dependent upon the Holy Spirit yes. to teach you. Right. I tell you what, if the body of Christ practiced this we wouldn't even need a pastoral staff. If the body of Christ practiced this, we wouldn't need a counseling team. If the body of Christ practiced this, and the fact that the body of Christ does not practice this on a regular basis means that by and large, Hmm. we have relegated the spiritual life to the leadership of the church. Or at least this component of it doesn't mean nobody else is spiritual. I would actually suspect that there are many spiritual people in the body of Christ yeah. that just don't know that they're empowered to take up that mantle. Wow, wow. That's right. And to engage in the ministry of restoration, this precious ministry. Yes. This precious ministry that you get to see people, outsiders, become insiders. People who have fallen down stand up again. And here's the most beautiful part. I know I've said that like seven or eight times tonight. (laughs) What's the result of taking a brother or a sister who's fallen into a trespass and restoring them? What do they become? Spiritual. Because the whole point of this passage is that the spiritual, the pneumatikoi, they are not supposed to be an elite group of upper-level believers within a body. Wow. It's supposed to be the whole body. Yeah. That's it. And the only question is, tonight will you embrace wow. the call wow. to be the spiritual? That right here in El Cerrito, Mm. 
When the Lord Jesus walks among us, will he find among us the pneumatikoi, the spiritual? Those who walk by the Spirit, who are led by the Spirit, who keep in step with the Spirit, who are listening to the Spirit. Those who are empowered by the Spirit, those who submit to the Holy Spirit. Those who are seeking his guidance, asking for his leadership, not leaning on their own understanding, not living for their own desires or their own needs or by their own wisdom, not looking for their own opportunities, but simply saying, here I am. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. Lead me. Guide me. I submit to you. I surrender to you. Teach me. Use me. Last night was so powerful, and I wanted to do that again. But tonight is an invitation. Will this just be just for your own experience? Will this just be about you getting your worship on and getting as much time as you want to worship and you lifting your hands and us, the worship team going for hours and we get filled up, but we go home with no willingness in our heart to restore anybody. And broken people come in and they go back out because everybody's simply focused on their own experience. I tell you, if we as a body focus on our own experiences, we come to church simply to get our experience. The sweetness of the presence of God that we experienced last night will be short-lived. I promise you. It will be short-lived because our hearts are saying it's for us four and no more. But hear my words. If we as a body, and I'm not just speaking to those in this room, I'm speaking to those that are watching online, listening online. I'm speaking to those who will listen to this podcast and even those who years from now will listen to this podcast and hear this word from the Lord. If we will embrace it in our hearts, that we're going to take up the mantle of the ministry of restoration. The presence of God. The sweet, tangible, manifest presence of God will increase and increase and increase in this house from week to week, from month to month, from year to year. As long as we carry that mantle, it will increase because when God looks at our hearts, listen to me, when God looks at our hearts and sees that the only thing I'm concerned about is my own experience, even if I'm desperate for Jesus and desperate for the Holy Spirit, but the only thing I'm interested in is, is my experience of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that is the flesh. Wow. Remember, living in the flesh is about my understanding, my needs, my desires. And if I'm living for my Holy Spirit, my Jesus, my Father, my worship, my time, my experience, that's the flesh. But the Spirit is just as desperate. It's just not desperate for me. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. When was the last time your heart broke for another soul? Love that soul through me. 
When was the last time you saw another soul and you saw that they were broken? And you went home and you cried out for that soul. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. That's the cry of the Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit really starts moving you, that happens in your soul. I'll never forget when that first happened to me. I was 12 years old. And I was at church one Sunday. And the burden of the Lord came over me, and I started crying out for the other kids in the youth group. Oh, Lord, fill them with the Holy Spirit. And I wept and I cried, fill them with the Holy Spirit. I was crying out for them, not for me. And I remember feeling so odd about that. I, I felt uncomfortable about it, honestly. Like, do I have, am I like qualified to pray that? Because I'm not a leader here. I'm not a. And you know what? The Lord doesn't care about all that stuff. Lord, lay some soul. Do you realize you can be spiritual and be eight years old? If you live by the spirit and you can be carnal at 80 years old, living by your own desires, it has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do about the orientation of your life. And secondly, you can walk in the spirit today and be full of the flesh tomorrow. It's not something that you achieve one day and you've got it for the rest of your life. It must be maintained. It's a daily decision. It is a daily walk. It is a daily affair. It is a daily invitation. It is a daily call of the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Tonight, God is inviting mm. the spiritual. Mm. And I know many of you feel condemned in your heart tonight because you feel like, yeah, that doesn't, I don't quite qualify for that. I'm one of the brethren or sistren that might be overtaken by a trespass, maybe a little trespass in this area, you know, just this little trespass, you know what I'm saying? No. If you hear this word tonight and you receive it, you can make a decision. I received that word. I received that invitation. I'm going to walk in the spirit. I'm going to be the spiritual. Amen. Amen. I'm walking out of the flesh right now. Yeah. 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 My mind. And I'm going to connect myself to brothers and sisters to whom I can be accountable, who can help me maintain that path. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to live that life. Yes. Because living for myself... It's the biggest waste. Yeah. He died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for he who died for them and rose again. Amen. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Worship team, come back. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to come upon every heart and every soul. We say yes to your invitation. And I just sense it in the house right now that there's a yes to the invitation of the yeah. Lord. There's a yes to the invitation of the Lord. I sense it so strongly that there's a yes. Some of you here are even new to the faith. 
Say, I don't even know a lot of scripture and I haven't been around long enough to even know all of your songs. That's okay. There's a yes in your heart to the Lord's invitation. There's a yes in your heart to the Lord's invitation. That's what the Lord's looking for. A yes. Some of you would say, I, I, I just don't know if I have the power or the strength to walk in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit, but I feel so powerless. Listen, God is not asking you to have the power. God knows you don't have the power. When he spoke to the lame and said, take up your bed and walk, you think he expected him to have the power? No, when he said, take up your bed and walk, the heart that moves in obedience obtains the power to obey. The call of God will always call you to something that feels impossible. But that call will also empower you. Because the call itself, the invitation itself, do you know what it does? If you say yes to it, it mends you where you're broken. It fits you and frames you where you don't quite fit. It empowers you, strengthens you, and perfects you where you feel weak and you have no strength. All God needs is a yes. A yes. I'm not living by my own understanding. I don't, I don't need to count the cost and say, well, let me think about this. This is a big commitment. I don't know if I can do this. Of course you can't do it. Don't count the cost. Just say yes to God. Get in a, just get in the habit of saying yes to Jesus first and figuring it out later. Say yes to Jesus first. Yes to Jesus first. And I'm going to say a prayer for you. And those of you that you feel this thing, your heart is saying yes, I'm going to invite you to come kneel at this altar. And all I'm going to ask you to do is give God your eternal yes, your undying yes. And then the prayer you're going to pray is, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. You're not going to try to think of a soul. You're not going to try to lay a soul upon your own heart. You're not even going to go out looking for souls. You're going to look to Jesus. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall heavy in this place tonight that you would establish in our hearts and minds your call, your invitation to embrace the life of the spiritual and the ministry of restoration. The life of the spiritual and the ministry of restoration. Stir every heart, I pray. Take no prisoners tonight. Let no one escape. Let no one escape. In Jesus' name, amen.